0: Well, good morning, everybody. Just checking out who's here today. McClellan's, good to see you. All right. Very good. Yeah, everybody's here that God wanted to be here, I guess. Very good. God's got something special for us today. I think it'd be good if you just said that to yourself. Would you just say, God has something for me today? Go ahead. Yes, He does. His Word is active and living and is powerful. It completely changes your life. In fact, as we worship Him, He he inspires us with more understanding of His glory. And I don't know about you, but I need that because in my life, when I go through the difficulties and actually care for others that are going through difficulties, sometimes those things get bigger in my vision than God. And worship just brings me back to the reality of nothing is bigger than him. The burden I have for my kids, uh, the struggles I have for even some global issues like what's going on in Afghanistan and the earthquake in Haiti uh, this morning or last night, and so many tragic things that are happening. God is bigger than that. And his love is deeper than that. And there's nothing to Fear. And I hope as you worshiped him today with us, realizing God's desire is that all the earth will shout his praise. That God just became a little more real to you because he is more real than any of these things that come against him. He's more eternal, more permanent than anything of these things. I want to say a big thank you before we get into God's word to Danny. Uh, Danny played keys for us again today. Uh, you know, there's something that happens, you've seen it as you've traveled around, that during the summertime, college students and whatever, they look for great jobs, and so they go serve on cruise ships and in uh, vineyard, you know, tasting rooms all over the world, and these high places of tourism, Disney World and such places, Elganac. Elginac. Eric Williams' house, who needs somebody just to kind of nanny for this, su- you know, things like that. Well, Danny's one of them. She traveled all the way from Lancaster, Pennsylvania, for the summer. Thank you, Danny. We're so glad she's she's my niece too. I mean, that's that's kind of part of it. And, uh, and so, but we are so thankful that. Uh, Eric and Kate's cousin Danny could travel here to care for them and serve Jesus uh, here at Woodside Algonac. So thankful for you, Danny. And she heads back here. next. This is her last Sunday with us, so I just wanted to say thanks. Uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 2, how do you find it? Well, you Google it. Ecclesiastes, spell it the best you can. Ecclesiastes 2 and your your browser will take you to it. Use the U version. That's a great way to do it. If you're using a printed Bible, which I recommend on our worship gatherings here, turn with me in the scriptures to Ecclesiastes chapter 2. As we continue a series we're calling Smoke and Mirrors. The book of Ecclesiastes is the musings of this incredible guy named Solomon. He was king Uh, The wisest king granted so much riches and peace in his kingdom for so many years, and that gave him the opportunity to dive into everything the world had to offer because he was trying to find meaning and purpose. It's one of the cool things about humans, that out of all of nature, all that God created, Human beings are the only things that have a sense of consciousness. Creativity and intelligence all merging together to give us this idea of self-awareness. That we don't just exist and follow natural instincts. We have this desire for something deeper and we pursue that. No other creature has such a thing. You, You know, dogs can sit, but they don't sit and contemplate the world and their purpose and meaning and identity. They they sit for a dog biscuit, right? That's that. It's pretty much it, or to please their master. Elephants can roam 300-mile trek across China and, and, you know, satellite cameras can capture their journey and kind of intrigue the whole world like what's going on now. But none of them are trying to pursue the cure for a global pandemic or a vaccine that will be 98% efficient. They're just traveling. Something in their instinct caused them to just move. Eagles that soar 10,000 feet above the earth as they catch a thermal. And they're soaring and gliding. None of them are looking down, trying to figure out, how do we make for a better tomorrow? You're looking for food? Or the joy of soaring but not much deeper than what you can do and you have done as you've taken time maybe swinging in a hammock maybe driving down the road or or maybe wherever you find your quiet space to try to think bigger thoughts to say am i doing what breathes life into me am i making a difference is my job satisfying only humans do that we're created in the image of God we're given this sense that if you were to wrap all that up in a word maybe we could use the word ambition Miriam dictionary defines ambition as the desire to achieve a particular end we all have it now parents maybe some of you think well <laughs> I kept trying to tell my kid this. Or maybe some of your spouses would say, I've been telling, trying to tell her. Maybe you have an employee. They, you would say, I wish they just had more ambition. Well, the reality is, they have ambition. It's part of God infused aspect of being a human. They just might have an ambition different than yours. Maybe their ambition isn't to build your company, maybe it's to fund their esports. Or some other ambition. But we all have it. Well, Solomon was, looked at his life and he said, I have opportunity to pursue an ambition and to find meaning and joy and satisfaction. He had like a credit card with an unlimited credit limit and he had a bank that would pay it off every month and didn't even have to think about it so he he used that card and he pursued it god granted him an insight and wisdom into things that allowed him to press into deeper matters that maybe others many others didn't have that opportunity in the book of ecclesiastes is his his writings says he journals this and crazy as it sounds the repeated phrase in this is everything that he did under the sun he found to be vanity of vanities all is vanity emptiness of empty He essentially says i just didn't find it what i was looking for and all that i pursued i just didn't Fine. So, so he pursued, and as we looked the last few weeks, he pursued naturalism. Just in everything that that I can see and touch, let's, let's experience all that it has and see if it gives me something. And it, and it left him empty. And so he pursued intellectualism and read all the books, wrote so many books, and pursued all the learning that he could. And he said, the end of the matter is, it's that's empty too. He pursued pleasure, accumulated all these things, and after experiencing the fleeting pleasures of them, joy in a moment he got done with it and said, "Eh, my garages are full and my toy boxes are overflowing." but uh, I just found that to be empty, too. The reason this book has been so captivating for people is because there's some aspect when you read it. Everybody says, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, I know what you mean. I bought something. It was so good. I thought, this is great. And then it got old. It broke. The new smell left, and I was empty again. I experienced something, and it was great, and it was joyful. I took a picture. But even the looking back at my photo album or my history and my social media, that still left, leaves me a bit empty well Solomon then turns to this life of wise living he said I know what I'm gonna do I'm gonna I'm going to just gonna pursue wisdom and living according to it I'm gonna pursue I'm gonna live by inspired ambition and see how that goes for me listen to his words in chapter 2 verse 12 he says so I turn to consider wisdom and madness and folly What can the man do who comes after the king? In other words, if you're king, what's left to do than what you've been able to do? I've done it all. So only what has already been done. I've done it all. Then I saw that there is more gain in wisdom than in folly, as there is in more gain in light than in darkness. The wise person has eyes in his head, but the fool walks in darkness. Interesting words he uses here. He gives a sense that, yeah, there's, there's a better way to live. I considered two ways. One, live with wisdom and ambition. One, with folly and madness. With no ambition, just flippantly just going through life without a purpose. And I found that that's not a great way to live. In fact, Eugene Peterson wrote the paraphrase of the scripture called The Message. And he renders it like this. I saw that you can live smart and stupid. <laughs> it's better to live smart. Like, okay, that puts it in language that's pretty simple. As Solomon says, this is better. It's better to live with the eyes in your head instead of running headlong through the dark. The teacher here in this passage, Solomon, is kind of, he's like someone who started his own company and through hard work and wise investing and careful decisions and shrewd management, he saw the company grow into a multi million dollar company. He says, I'm glad I lived smart. Or this is a young person that says, I'm going to study hard, get good grades so I can go to a good school and get a solid degree. I'm going to work diligently for my networks. And he made it, he made it to the top looks back on his life and says, man, I'm so glad I live smart rather than stupid. That's Solomon's words here. But then it takes a dramatic turn. Verse 14 continues with these words. And yet, I perceive that the same event happens to all of them. In other words, those that live wise and those that live foolishly. I said in my heart, what happens to the fool is going to happen to me also. So, why then have I been so very wise? I said in my heart that this also is vanity. For the wise, as the fool, there's no enduring remembrance, seeing in the, the days to come, all will have been forgotten. How the wise dies just like the fool. Somebody gets to the end and says, Well, it's better to live wisely than foolishly. But really, in the end, we all die. He's saying, Ambition didn't satisfy me. I look back on my life and realize that ambition doesn't fill me with lasting satisfaction. Is it better then? Yeah, maybe. But I didn't find life there. So that leads us to the question, why don't ambitions and accomplishments ultimately satisfy us? Why, 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 does, why don't we find it there? Well, he points to two realities in this passage. First of all, he says both the wise and the foolish will die. In the end, we just we, we die. So we leave it all behind, whether, whether it's a thing on the wall that says congratulations, thank you for serving, or whether it says this is your degree, you accomplished it, whether it says the nameplate on your desk says owner, founder and owner, or whatever. The reality is, well, when we die, it all goes in a box and fades away. I went back through my files this week as I contemplated this, and Real quick count, I came up with about 250 funerals that I've done with notes and memoirs of various people. Biker dudes and pastor's wives. Infants and 100-year-olds. Police officers and convicts. The homeless and a millionaire. And Solomon was right. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. Nothing that we do, nothing we accomplish, nothing we contemplate changes that end. We're all in that category. We all die. So Solomon says, so what's the point? It leaves me empty when I realize me and the fool, we have the same end. Secondly, he mentions this reality. He says, in the end, our accomplishments will be forgotten. Over time, we'll forget what we did. This is by a guy written who's at the top of his field, and he realizes that though the world knows him now, you know, people travel, and if you re- re- read 1st, 2nd Kings, you see kings from various places came to visit Solomon to hear his wisdom and see his accomplishments and his uh, engineering feats and all these things. And he said, it was great to have them, but you know what they did after they saw and listened to me? They, they went home. And I was left with, with people that kind of forgot about what I did. They're on to see the next greatest thing. And the reality is, and you've experienced the same. You've accomplished some wonderful things, and it was so good to accomplish it. And after showing it to a couple of people that said, oh, that's really cool, it just kind of faded. And it was, it's just a memory. Now sometimes only you're the only one that remembers it. And pretty soon you're going to forget and even the greatest among us, the greatest in our world, that really make an impact, their names will be recorded in history books that will probably, most likely, be on the shelf collecting dust in most bookshelves. And so what do we have after a life pursuing accomplishment. Some of you will know the name Deion Sanders. Again, sorry to bring up another athlete, but interesting guy, at least in my lifetime. Some of you will say, I remember that's history book stuff. Yeah, he is, but it was in my lifetime, so it matters. Dion Sanders is the only professional athlete that played in the Super Bowl, that's football for some of you, and the World Series, which is Baseball, good, good. So he played in both of them. The only guy in all the world for all time to play in both of those top pinnacle events. I mean, he is MVP multiple years. He's multi-million dollar contracts. Made it all. Interesting story of Deion Sanders that's repeated in so many different professional athletes that made it to the top. He was interviewed by Bear Grill. Some of you recognize that name. It's another genre of... <laughs> Entertainment. Bear Grylls interviewed him on his show called Running Wild. And in that interview, he's talking to Deion Sanders about his accomplishments. And Deion Sanders eventually gets to the point of his story where he says, But you know, I've, once it's all done, I found myself empty. Not satisfied by any of that. To the point where he tells in his story, one night, I was driving with that sense of emptiness, and I said, "This is it. I'm done." And he drove off the road down into a off a cliff, thinking, "This is it." His car bounced to the bottom and made it down to the bottom, and he was still alive. He said, "That didn't even work. Why doesn't it satisfy?" Ecclesiastes 2, verse 17. Solomon's musings continue. And he says in verse 17, So I hated life because what is done under the sun was grievous to me. For all is vanity and a striving after the wind. Testimony like so many others. I got to the end and I look back and I, I, I kind of hated what happened because I'm still empty. I worked so hard. But he says, Everything I did under the sun, Remember understanding the musings in this book of ecclesiastes when it says under the sun understand that it's referencing life apart from god life in a natural sense moving god out of the picture and just pursuing everything that's here and available to us a great career getting to know people and deepening relationships with our other human beings extending my mind to all forms of knowledge accomplishing pleasure all of that if God is pushed to the side and I just pursue that I'm left with that nagging sense of emptiness to some driven to that point where they would say yep I even hate life because I find that achievement and ambition becomes pointless when it's life under the sun If you read through the entire book of Ecclesiastes, we come to his understanding that. So here's he says here's, and we'll get to this in a couple weeks. But essentially, he says here's here's what I realize. If I stop fearing God, nothing matters. So here's the answer. Fear God. Honor him. Follow his plan. And you'll find life. point of the preacher that in this musings of this aspect this morning we're looking at is this essential reality that God is supreme. If you pursue life under the sun, moving God to the side, nothing satisfies. If you grab God, put him in the center, you realize nothing matches him. I can't get to the end of my satisfaction in him because he is limitless. God is supreme. God declared this in so many different ways. He describes himself in Scripture as the beginning and the end. The one who is, who was, who is to come. The Alpha and the Omega. The King of kings and the Lord of lords. There's no one higher, no one stronger, no no one wiser than God. He is supreme. He is the one being in which you can find, not only does he author life, he's the one that expresses abundant life to those who are alive. As supreme, God's designed human life to have him as the focus of all their ambition and all their achievement. Not us. Let me say that again. God the creator has designed the human existence so that he is the focus of all of our ambition and all of our achievement. He is the focus, not us. You did so well repeating after me this morning. Let's try it again. Could you say, it's not about me? It's not about me. me. When it is, when it's my accomplishments and when it's my ambitions, I'm left with this nagging sense that it was better than not having ambition, but I'm still foundering. But when it's about God, you find life. Yeah. Think of the moon. And the silly illustration, but think of the moon. You go out in the beauty, especially out here in Algonac, Clay Township area, where there's, there's like dark sky on these clear summer nights and you step outside and the clear it's been a long time since we've had truly clear skies but you step outside and you see a full moon you're like that's incredible it lights up your yard now you don't have a dark sky because this moon is shining what if the moon started to think oh it's all about me Those of you that understand, you listen to science class once in a while, you learn that actually the light of the moon is from what? It's from the sun. So the visual splendor of the moon is the reflection of someone greater, something greater, which is the sun. What if the moon, preposterous, I know, what if the moon said, nope, it's all about me, so I am going to get out of the reflection of the sun, get out, push that out, Thing out of the way it 's all about me preposterous, you know, obviously all oh, nature would crumble because of the intricate design of our orbits and such thing, but just you ever seen a new moon?'ll yeah, well, sorta because the new moon disappears because that's the place where the moon gets out of the reflection of the sun and pretty much becomes this faint little outline and the only thing splendid about the new moon is that you can't see it interesting it's not about us think to the creation story we 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 heard solomon's story which is let's move god out of the out of the picture and it's all about me but that's not how god designed the world God designed the world so it would be very good. And he, he created a garden where mankind, humanity, would, would dwell in the garden. He would come and enjoy the garden with his creation. And he says, I've given you all of this to enjoy. I have given you this to enjoy, God says to them. And Adam and Eve are the ones that said tempted by the evil one. Hmm, God's holding out. I'm going to push God to the side and experience pleasure without him. And that's where it crumbled. Tragically, because God said, I want you to discover the joy of ambition and beauty and experience in, in my world. That's why when I, he created humanity, he put him in the garden, he said, "Now." no. I want you to be fruitful and multiply. Subdue the earth and have dominion over it. And essentially he's saying, I want you to harness its energies. I want you to explore its splendors. And I want you to to experience all the riches that I have provided for you. But it all breaks down when you say, but God's out of the way and now it's all about this. And God says, no, you're you're missing the point. You're missing the ultimate point passion that i've created you to experience and that's where you make much of me as you experience the beauty of the world since god is supreme our ambition should be for his glory our achievement should be to make much of him so that he is worshiped there's a life verse that i've i've hidden in my heart i repeat it often to my soul In 1 Corinthians 10.31, many of you have this memorized. If not, you should. It's very simple. The inspiration of the Holy Spirit says, so whatever you do, whether you're eating or drinking or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. So whether you're eating, it's not simply for your pleasure. That's not the end. The end is, for God to get glory, whether you're working or whether you're pursuing a career, whether you're ex- experiencing a vacation, whatever it is, it's all for you to experience and express the splendor of God, and you will find it satisfying. Now, not ultimately, because it's God who who's ultimately satisfies, but when he, his glory is your pursuit, you are making much of him, you are drawn deeper into relationship with him and you will find more and more of that abundance of life. And the good news of this is that this God who created us to experience the joy of ambition and experience and pleasure all from his hand is God that wants a relationship with you. He wants to share his victories with you. Here's what I mean. One of the things that Solomon recognized as he pursued a life of wisdom and ambition, he says, I I, have discovered that the same thing happens to all of us. There's this great equalizer out here, and that's death. Well, God, in his incredible wisdom, says, well, I'm going to take that thing called death and I'm going to show you my glory through it yeah we all die why because we've tried humanity has tried to find life outside of god we've sinned we've rebelled and the consequence of sin is death so god says i'm going to step into that that greatest enemy and i'm going to bring victory out of that so he sent his one and only son to this earth ultimately to die to take on the consequence of all of humanity as a representative of all those who would believe in him. He took our death, the great equalizer. And God says, yeah, but I'm greater than this. And through the power of God, God's one and only son, God in the flesh, rose from the dead to prove the greatest equalizer can't touch the greatness of God that God is supreme, he is powerful. In fact, not only has he conquered death by rising Jesus from the dead, he says, and Jesus is the first fruit of all the resurrection that I wanna do in the lives of those that follow me. So the reality is death is not the great equalizer. God says, I've conquered that. And those that find life in me, those that have relationship with me, those that believe in my son, I'm allowing you, though you die, yet shall you live, because Jesus is the resurrection and the life. He is life. He says, I want you to know me. Here's how. Go through my son. Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. As you place your faith in him, scripture says that God becomes your father, and he comes to dwell inside of you through his spirit so that you can experience that abundant life. And then he says, oh good, now we're together. Now, live your life as if I'm the sun and you're the moon and you will find joy, you will find purpose, you will find life because it's, I've created you to experience it as you're reflecting my glory. I mentioned Deion Sanders to you and his tragic story. I, I I cut a clip of that video testimony so you could see how this story ends. And if we have it, Keith, let's let's show I, the I rest ran, of this story. Um, this car off the side of the highway and was at the bottom, I thought it was just the car would flip it didn't flip, and I was still there. And I was like, man. Hmm. Shortly after that I had to just come to the Lord with my hands up, say, I, I, I'm done. I can't do it anymore. You got me. I give up. God, you take me. So, like, all of that power and money sex didn't empty. give you what your, There's your empty. faith has. Mm-hmm. Empty. Emptiness. There's a great power to being able to achieve amazing things mm-hmm. and yet hold them so lightly because you have something far more precious. That's it. And, you know, we share a faith together. You know, it's like a backbone to me as well. And it's like all the achievements and the summits, and they're, they're nothing compared to you yeah. know, that something inside, and I totally see it in you. I stay strong, and I never question God. It has to be something bigger than you that you're working for, that you're living for. Because if it's all about you, you've already lost. If it's all about you, you've already lost. It's not that ambition is wrong. It's not that striving to be the best that you can be is an offense to God. He's created you with ambition. But when it's his glory that you're seeking to exalt, you'll experience that satisfaction that your heart longs for. You see, it was followers of Jesus that sought to radiate his glory, that pressed into science. People like Isaac Newton, following Jesus, believing in his word, pressed into science to discover cures and health for the human body. It was followers of Jesus that were concerned with the sick in their community that established this idea of hospitals, medical care. It's followers of Jesus, weavers that established the school system, because they believe that when God is your focus, that the God who is supreme, the God who is good, that you sang about. Desires goodness to come from us. The concern is when our ambition is under the sun. Moving God to the side and saying, asking that question, what career do I want to go into? Instead of, what career did God create me to pursue? in which I can give glory to him. What ambition has God given to me so so that I can help people understand what a powerful and wonderful and healing God he is, that I can pursue his glory and do good for my world. Hear the conclusion of the matter. Fear God, keep his commandments, make him your focus, glorify God in everything you do, whether you're eating, drinking, whatever you're doing, Do all to the glory of God. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for giving us an understanding of life. Thank you, Lord, for this incredible story you've given us in your word that makes sense of life, that gives us a better story than what our culture tries to give to us, that says it's all about me, it's all about now, it's all about this. And yet people live so empty at the end of their lives, look back with such regrets. Lord, raise us to something better. Lord, give us that deep understanding that you love us and want us to experience all the glory that you've created us to have. Finding it first in you. Lord, if there's some here that have never, they've never claimed faith in you. They've never placed their faith in Jesus. I pray that today would be that day of salvation, that they would hold out their hands of their heart and say, God, I want a relationship with you. I believe in your son. I believe he died on the cross for my sins and raised. was raised from the dead. But I believe that's my way to the Father. It's my way to you, and I accept. For those of us that... We live in salvation. We just get distracted by this world. Lord, would you return us to right living? Return our hearts to pursuing you above all else. Move in our hearts, we pray, even as we reflect and as we sing, Lord. Speak to us. Draw us to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together.